Amber knows me well. She knows I'm going to leave that towel or I might. I don't know. I've got a good fan going this morning. Never know. You know, um, I, I, it's, it's, I'm honored. I'm always honored to be here and be able to speak. And um, I love running my mouth. <laughs> I, uh, I'm pretty good at it. Not necessarily preaching, but I'm pretty good at running my mouth. So I do love to speak. And I, and I hate the fact that, that we're where we are. I really do. Um, definitely. I mean, this is well said, Josh. Um, you know, that we, we pray over uh, Sean and D'Angela and, and um, Mom. All of them are struggling. There's been uh, no one asked for these types of things. Uh, health things that come. Um, family drama that comes, things that happen that we can't control, <coughs> just things, stuff. And we're dealing with lots of it today, lots of it today. We're, um, Ron and I ourselves are walking through things that we've never had to walk through before. It's just, this is where we are in this world. And I think what's so cool is, is God is God's just too cool. He, he sets things up, even well before we understand it. I mean, messages come, messages, you know, I, I get stuff, and, I, and I'm, uh, some of you have heard me say this, that, that God showed me, a, I don't know, three, three weeks ago, four weeks ago, I don't even know the time frame now, kind of been one of my crying sessions before him, you know, where I was arguing with God and, and uh, having one of my little pity parties out in our garden, and God simply told me, get in the mic. I have a studio at home. I'm actually pursuing a, a voiceover career where I I can do commercials, narrations, whatever that might be. I've been I've gone through I don't even know how many weeks of training. Now I have the equipment. I've been doing such. I do auditions all the time. So I'm in that microphone a lot. But he told me the other day, get in the mic. And and I felt like that meant to be every day. And I thought, well, you know, Lord, I'm doing all these auditions. I'm doing everything I know to do. I'm, I'm reading everything I can find that I fit into. And I really felt like that's not what he was talking about. <laughs> I do a podcast. And, and I was doing a Sunday morning live service at home on Facebook and a Wednesday night Bible study type thing every week. Been doing that for a year and a half, two years almost. And I thought, that's not what he meant. He's telling me to be in the mic every day. You know, recently I made the comment about how he's pouring more into me than I know how to share. <laughs> well, now I'm sharing it every day. So I'm doing a podcast every day now. I'm sharing something, either, either some poetry that I've, I've written that he's given me, uh, then I put a message with it. But I'm, I'm on the microphone every day now. And, and, I, and I believe that, that that's exactly what he's called me to, to be in that mic. To speaking his word to whomever will listen. Um, the podcast is really cool. I, I don't understand podcasts at all. My son made me do it. I was always recording these things just like I'm doing today. And then I would send them out via email on an audio track. Well, people got to where they were having trouble listening to them on the emails. It's a big audio file. Sometimes I'm long-winded. <laughs> then my son starts griping. He goes, Dad, you need to do a podcast. I don't listen to podcasts. I don't know anything about them. He goes, well, I can't listen to your emails 
while I'm working because it drains the battery in my phone. My phone has to stay open. So if you do it on a podcast, I can open it. My phone can shut off and I can listen to the podcast. I'm like, you're listening to me? <laughs> I was pretty impressed that my son was listening to me. So, so it's his fault I started a podcast. Had no idea what I'm doing, still don't. But somehow these things go out. Well, then it got to be a problem when I was emailing these files. All of a sudden, Gmail changes their little program, and now my files are too big. They won't email. So I started emailing the podcast link. That works easy. goes fast. So now I'm, you know, I send these messages out to 258 people every week that I send out. I don't always send out the podcast, but, but I'm on the mic all the time, and I'm sharing things all the time. And yesterday, I was having another one of my pity parties, me and the Lord out in the garden. And <laughs> I'm like, God, I'm still, you know, I'm doing everything I'm going to do. But, you know, these things, sometimes, sometimes the messages that I get seem like they need to be done elsewhere, that, that they're for somebody in particular. And I don't know how to do that. You know, what am I supposed to do with these? Just save them? <laughs> and then I got the message that I was supposed to speak today. So it's like, okay, now I understand. I don't know why I keep questioning him. He just does things cool. I had, and, and I've, I've really been studying this particular word for a while. I, I've, I've kind of got hung up lately in Matthew 24. You know, it's Jesus talking to his disciples. And, he, and he's talking to them about these end days, these times that are to come. And in, in the process of some of that, I have learned that... Much of what he was saying is already past. That really took me by surprise. Because I've heard it all my life, you know, that in these last days, these things are going to happen. And I thought, well, you know, Oklahoma surpassed California in earthquakes just a year or two ago. Can you imagine that? We became the earthquake capital of the world not too long ago. That's not so much now because, you know, they blamed it on the fracking. So it's all been toned down. We don't have them like we were having them. Someone asked me, well, do you think it's this fracking or do you think it's the end of the times? Like, why can't it be both? God didn't say how he was going to do it. He just said he was going to shake things up. Why not use today's stuff? So, but in, in, in some of the studying and some of the research I've done, listening to some other pastors, Many times I learned that, that what appears to be Jesus talking about the future and how I've always looked at it, it's coming, is already gone, already done, already passed. And that really struck me. <laughs> it excited me. Because it's like I've heard this stuff all my life, and now we're in it. Now we're living in these last days as being described in Matthew 24 when he was talking to his disciples. And in the process of all that, he, he says a particular passage in there. And I'm going to bring it to you out of Luke today. Uh, if you want to go to Luke 17, 22 to 37. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to bring this out of Amplified because it, I love how it says it. Because it kind of gets it into my language. <laughs> I can understand this a little better. But starting with verse 22 of Luke 17, it says, And he said to the disciples, The time is coming when you will long to see even one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it. And they will say to you, look, he is there, or look, he is here, but do not go or follow them. 
For like the lightning that flashes and the lights up the sky from the end of the other, so will the Son of Man be in his own day. When Jesus comes back, it's going to be in a moment, in an instant, like a flash of lightning. No one's going to be able to know where it's coming, the same as you can't really tell where lightning's going to strike. It's coming. Verse 25 says, But first he must suffer many things and be disapproved and repudiated and rejected by this age and generation. Now, obviously, when he's saying these things quite some time ago, but look at today, our society, our generation, and how, how far we are in the rejection of anything truthful. Amen. We are so far from truth today, it's unreal. You can't even find truth. You can't even Google truth. It'll fact check you. <laughs> I mean, you know, you can't do anything today to really find answers. You're always getting someone else's opinion. We're not finding, the the only place you're going to find truth is in his word. And you're going to have to dig for it to find the nuggets that you're looking for. Verse 27 says, people ate, they drank, they married, they were given in marriage right up to the day when Noah, I'm sorry, I missed 26, didn't I? 26, and just as it is, or was in the days of Noah, so will it be in the time of the Son of Man. People ate, they drank, they married, they were given in marriage right up to the day when Noah went into the ark. And the flood came and destroyed them all. Very similar to where we are today. We are looking at the destruction of a nation, of a world, as we know it, and people don't seem to care. They're still going on about their normal life. You know, if you bring something up, you're a conspiracy theorist. You can't question anything today because you're, you know, you're questioning science. Just follow the science. Well, this is science. It's been proven by science that the Word of God is true. It's proved more and more every day. But think about this. And just as it was in the days of Noah, have you ever really thought about how bad was it in the days of Noah? They didn't have TV, they didn't have Facebook, radio. They were pretty scattered people. I mean, they couldn't jump in the car and go over to the neighbor and talk, you know? So how bad was it in the days of Noah? Apparently, it was bad enough that the creator of mankind said, I've had enough. And I'm going to wipe them off the face of the earth. I can't imagine that we're that far from that today. You know, in the, in, the, in the flow of society today, can we really not be any worse than it was in the days of Noah? No. There's a lot of things, if you research deeply into the days of Noah and, and why Noah and his family were chosen to be saved, to, to restart the generations of people. There, there's, a lot of, um, there's a lot of depth in there. And, and I won't go into that today. But there's a lot of reasoning behind it. And, and, and if, you, if you do study that out, you'll learn why there was such depravity. And why it really mimics where we are today. In that time frame, there was simply no fear of judgment. There was no fear of impending doom. Sound familiar? Are we not right there today? 
Nobody fears judgment today. Matter of fact, a lot of the pulpits today don't even talk about hell. They just like to talk about how much we're loved, cared for. They don't talk about the fact that, that hell's a real place. And then if we don't have our ducks in a row, that's where we're going. Noah and his family were a remnant. The only hearts pure before the Lord, and they were raised up above the flood to be the seed for the end of days. They were a remnant. If you dig deep, you'll find that in the last days, there will be a remnant that rises up. To carry the spirit of God of truth to this world and all who will follow. Just as Jesus said, there's a lot of them aren't going to follow you. They're going to turn away. They're going to put up for themselves teachers because they have itching ears. They're going to want things to be said the way we want to hear them. I mean, that's the easier path. I I wish it was so sometimes. (laughs) Because living the right way sometimes is hard. It's a sacrifice. Something's got to give for us to do that. You know, and send in my notes, but, you know, Jesus actually told us that we're to pick, if we want to be a follower of his, we're to pick up our cross daily and follow him. That doesn't have anything to do about carrying a stick around with us. It has everything to do with dying to us. Giving up my life to follow him. Nothing to do with me to follow him. It's not about my ambitions, my desires. So there are all those my's in there get really selfish. It's about him. Yeah. We were created for him. Not for us. Not to have our luxuries. Not to have our life the way we want it. We were created for him. And when we, when we really get an understanding of that, of what sacrifice really means, it changes us. Verse 28 says, so also it was the same as it was in the days of Lot. People ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on the very day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Because a society had turned their back on God. A people had left their roots. They weren't taught this. They were taught another way of life. The, 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 the word of God has been around its entirety of this world. It's there. But people turn their back and they've walked away. Verse 30 says, so That is the way it will be on the day that the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, let him who is on his housetop with his belongings into the house not even come down and go inside to carry them away. And likewise, let him who is in the field not turn back. Keeping our eyes on Jesus, we move forward and we move toward him. Don't look back. Remember Lot's wife, verse 32 and 33. Whoever tries to preserve his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life will preserve it and quicken it. What happened to Lot's wife? Given very explicit instructions. Don't, Don't look back. But she did could be a whole lot of reasons why. <laughs> you probably bring an entire sermon out of why. Why did she look back? She was told not to. And instantly turned into a pillar, pillar of salt. You know, what, why? Because, <laughs> I love that. Um, 
There's a movie, it's, I think it's uh, Gumball Rally, I believe the name of the movie, it's an old one. Road Race Across the World, or the Nation, right? There's an Italian driver in this movie, and I love this line. He gets in his little bitty car, and he's got somebody with him, and he looks at the person that's with him, and he said, the first thing in Italian racing. He reaches up and he grabs a mirror, snatches it off the windshield, and throws it in the back. What's behind you is not important. Don't look back. You know, this church has been through a lot. There's been a lot of things happen here over the years. Lots of years. Not just the last few months. Years. It's history. Don't look back. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your focus on where it belongs and move forward. You, you, do, you, do you think that God's got something planned? Yeah. Do you think there's a reason? You could go a lot of different directions over why things happen in our life. There's typically two. Two truths. Something happens because God has a plan that the enemy doesn't want to see come to fruition. So he puts every obstacle possible in front of you to stop you, to slow you down, to keep you from getting to your goal. Or two, you've created something personal that is not of him. Either one of those is going to stop his flow. Satan's going to do everything he can to stop the truth. But if you create a self-made image, it's not going to go anywhere either. We've got to keep our eyes on Jesus. The prize. And it's not about this. It's about that. It's about us finding ourselves in such a way that God pours into us so that we pour into somebody else. That that we become a vessel that is simply used to flow into something else. I, I love the image of an artesian well. I've actually saw that about this place right here. I'm not going prophetic on you or anything. I'm just simply saying I saw that about this place right here. An artesian well. You know what an artesian well is? It's a well without a pump. It's a spring that comes up out of the ground all on its own. And it just keeps flowing. And it just keeps flowing. And it just keeps flowing. And you know what happens when water touches dry ground? I spent some time in New Mexico as a youth pastor. Desert. <laughs> it grows on you after a while. There's no ticks. <laughs> yeah. No humidity. It has its moments. But it's, it's desert. The only place you're going to find anything green is on water. You always know where there's water in New Mexico because it's green. That artesian well springs up and it flows out into the dry places and it creates life. That's what this place is. You're a part of that. What are you going to do with it? 34 says, I tell you in the night there will be two men on one bed. I don't know why it says men. It's just referencing two people in one bed, husband, wife, whatever. One will be taken and the other will be left. There will be two women grinding together. I did some study on this. <laughs> that, that simply means that in, in the days of old, there were the, the grinding mill 
where they ground the grain or the wine presses, any of those things. It took two women to operate them. So I think that's why the reference is here. There'll be two women grinding together. One will be taken and the other will be left. Two men will be in the field and one will be taken and the other will be left. When you do the research and the study on this, that one that's taken, basically it talks about being taken to judgment, dying without the Lord. Ron and I had this big discussion on this yesterday because we've always thought of these scriptures as being talking about the rapture. One being raptured away and the other one left, you know? But the truth of this way the scripture's written is that one being taken is because they weren't ready. They weren't ready to go. They've been taken to judgment. Their, their, their eternity's set while the other one has promise. Verse 37, then they asked him, his disciples, where, Lord? He said to them, wherever the dead body is, there will the vultures and eagles be gathered together. Everything about this piece of scripture is simply talking about being ready. Living our life in such a way that we are a light with no darkness. Dark, darkness can't dwell in light. It can't, it can't happen. Matter of fact, darkness isn't even scientifically real. Scientifically, darkness is described as the absence of light. We're his light. If we've, if we've surrendered our life to Jesus, now I'm, not, I'm not talking about the little sinner's prayer. I'm talking about surrender. I'm talking about giving our lives wholeheartedly to God. Lock, stock, and barrel, nothing held back. See, I can't do this on my own. I can't live this way on my own. I have to be completely surrendered to him. I have to be sold out. Because who I was is dead. I don't want nothing to do with that. Because who I was was just like one being taken. I wasn't prepared. I wasn't ready. I've been taught this all my life. But I wasn't living it. I wasn't surrendered to him. It took a very dark place in my life for me to find that place of surrender. Almost to the point of taking my own life. I was at that moment. God chose a different path for me. He has a different path for you. He has had since the beginning of time. Jeremiah chapter 1 says, Before I ever formed you in your mother's womb, I already set you apart to be a voice to the nations. I have a plan for you. Part of the reference in, in the study that I did yesterday in, in looking at, you know, the one being taken to the left, it actually referenced 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And I thought, you know, I'm gonna, I want to close with this. I mean, we're in a time of struggle. We're in a time of challenge. It seems like every time we turn around, we're being kicked. Somebody else is knocking us down. Every time we think we're just about there, somebody rocks, rocks our world all over again. And we had to climb our way back to the top. And that's kind of how I saw this in Luke. You know, can you imagine being Noah? I mean, can you, I mean, honestly, can you imagine what it would have been like to have been chosen 
as the only ones who were righteous, the only ones left in this world. I'm not so sure Noah really felt righteous. I have to wonder if he questioned himself from time to time. Because look around what the world did to him. And I love bringing it to a modern version. You know, God tells Noah you need to build a boat. What's a boat? <laughs> I mean, Noah didn't even know what a boat was. He wasn't raised around water. There wasn't any water near him. It didn't even rain. It just was the dew that watered the grass. So God tells him, I need you to build a boat because I'm going to flood the earth. He doesn't know what a flood is. Most of us know what a flood is today, right? Noah doesn't even know what a flood is. But all he knows is, is God's given me these directions. So he gives all these directions and he builds this, this, this ark, this monstrous boat. And all these animals, God, that just blows my mind right there. You know, how in the world? Can you, I mean, can you imagine what that would have been like? To see that stuff coming, Ron and I, <laughs> we watched the movie last night, and I thought, well, she's going to get creeped out when she sees this part, because here came the snakes. They were on there. The bugs, <laughs> all of the birds. I mean, it was, it's, I mean you, when you really start thinking about to recreate creation and to put it on a boat, Wow. But when you look at it in the modern realm, I have to believe that, you know, the guy from across the street, he gets home from work, five o'clock, you know, he gets his lawn chair out and his cooler, and he kicks back to watch Noah build this boat and make fun of him. Because the Bible describes that they mocked him. They made fun of him. No one knew what the boat was for. <laughs> no one knew what the flood was. But in all of his warning, people laughed. People mocked. People made fun. Got to imagine there was probably some antics that went on with that, you know? I mean, he had a partial structure up, and somebody went over and kicked the board out and let it all fall down. You know, I just have to, I have to think that some of these things must have happened. Can you imagine being Noah? Desperately trying to tell your neighbor, man, if you don't get on here, you're going to die. Desperately trying to get him to understand it's because your life of, 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 of darkness is why he's doing this. But nobody cared. That movie depicted something last night that we watched that was... Uh, I, I have, I, I've thought about it all night long. I, and I haven't even talked to her about it yet today. But it was very disturbing. When the, when the water began to come and the, and the boat began to rise, you could hear the people screaming. I know it was just a movie, but I got to thinking about that. What was that really like? People banging on the side of the boat. Let me in. Let me in. I don't know what it will be like in our end times, but I know that if we're not ready to go, if our heart's not right with God, if we're not in right standing with Him, in our heart, not in our mind. We're going to be left behind to suffer whatever's coming. What a scary time. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 to 18 says this. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, concerning those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve like the rest who have no hope. 
It's basically talking about those who have already passed away, those who are already gone. Many of us, all of us, most likely have some friend or family member who have passed on before us. Most of us have a pretty good reference as to whether or not they were living for Christ or not. But he's talking about that here so so that you will not grieve like the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again in the same way through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For we say this to you by word from the Lord, we who are still alive at the Lord's coming will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and the archangel's voice and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then (laughs) we who are still alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. And I absolutely love how this ends. Therefore. Man, I love that word. Therefore. Therefore, because of this, because you can, because it's what you should do, encourage one another with these words. Listen, guys, this is our time. This is an exciting time to be a follower of Jesus Christ. This is our time to be excited, to encourage those that we encounter, to encourage those who don't know the truth. Many are going to mock us. Many are going to walk away from us. But there's that one. There's that one who will listen. And that one who will turn their heart towards Christ. You know, Jesus, it it brings about that, that leaving the 99 to go after the one. There's argument about that. That makes no sense. Why would you leave 99 and go for the one? Those 99 are secure. (sighs) He's going after the one that's lost. The one that's in trouble. The one that needs saved. Do we not understand that? That's what he's calling us to do. Go out into this world and preach the gospel. Share your life. Share what you know to be truth with everyone that you encounter. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close with this scripture, Isaiah 62. It just really struck me. A friend of mine had wrote some things about the, the Noah and the things that really, he ended this with this. And Isaiah 62 says, Say to the daughter of Zion, the people of Israel, is who the daughter of Zion is. Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your salvation comes. Yeah. His reward is with him and his recompense, his restitution before him. And they shall be called the holy people, the redeemed of the Lord. And you shall be called, sought out, a city not forsaken. That's us. That's those who believe. That's those who surrender. Jesus has called us out for such a time as this. We are created for this day and age. We all have our role to play. Yes. It's different from each other's. It's different from one another. Find your fit. As you surrender to him and you become a servant, Jeremy and I were talking about this this morning, about, about servanthood, about an armor bearer, being that man of God, that woman of God who he's created and called you to be for such a time as this. I don't know how much time we have left, I mean, I heard all my life it could be any moment. <laughs> you know, I, I thought about that my whole life, and looking at it today, it means a whole lot more to me now because of what I see, because of what I feel, 
Because the presence of God that's in me that says now is our time. This is our time. Take advantage of it. This little body, this artesian well, is to spring up and to go out into the dry place. To make a difference in this community. To make an impact on everything that it touches. And it will bring life everywhere it goes. Amen. Bow your heads with me, if you will. Father, we thank you for your word. God, I thank you for putting this spirit in me to deliver this word in such a way. God, this is, this is yours. This is your very word spoken out today. God, I pray that it's seed planted in our, in our, our, our gardens, our tilled soil. And God, that you would water this seed and you would grow it so that, that one day you, you, Father, will create a harvest. It's our role to, to put the seed in the ground. It's our role to water that seed. But God, you're the one that's going to come with the harvest. And it's time. Put it into our hearts, God, to go into this world, to share everything that we know, to live our life in such a way that others recognize you in us, recognize you instead of us. Father, we love you and we thank you today. God, we pray over this church. We pray over this body of believers that, God, you take center stage in this thing. You guide, you lead, you structure this in such a way that it fits your calling for today and move it forward in your presence and in your peace and in your Holy Spirit pouring out on everyone touching the lives of those who come. Don't let a single soul leave this place the way they came, but let life change take place in Jesus' name.